Welcome back to another episode of the Play On Podcast. It is another late kickoff. You know what these fixtures are like. You never know what's going to happen. Fixtures getting rearranged last minute and all kinds of stuff. Once again, it is myself, your gracious host, Cal Sirius, alongside man like... Ash, what's going on, people? How are you doing this evening, Ash? Listen, I'm recovering. I had a, a couple of... had a really bad bout of illness this week, so... Um, yeah, just there was a flu that was around, not COVID, that really struck me down. So just like happy to be feeling a lot better, but also just very tired after what's been a busy weekend already. Well, on a selfish note, I'm glad that we're social distancing, working from <laughs> home, working remotely, and I'm not going to catch your bloody Omicron variant. Oh, wow. I wouldn't go that far. I had done a PCR and it was clear. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, also wishing you well, man. Get well soon. It is horrible to have a cold or be ill. There's a lot going around at the moment. So, yeah, just if anyone is under is under the weather or not feeling 100 percent, then we wish you well from the B- uh, well, well wishes from the BRB team. Most definitely. Um, myself, I've been pretty busy this week. Uh, I can't say I'm under the weather like yourself, but mm. um, yeah, I've, I've been doing a lot of writing, and um, I just can't wait to actually get everything over and done with. But it's nice to to get to the weekend, man. The weekend is usually when you can chillax a little bit. Yeah, facts. Um, and we've had ourselves some games to watch this week and this weekend. One of those strange ones where. Uh, the fixture list went a bit crazy. We had a whole lot of fixtures in the midweek. And uh, so we're recording on the Saturday night now, um, which means we haven't had a chance to catch the rest of the fi- the fixtures for this weekend. Um, so for you guys listening, um, all of the, by the time this comes out, all of the games would have been played. Um, so that's why the podcast sounds like it does, because those games haven't happened yet. This is Saturday night, just after the Watford and Man City game. But first of all, before we get into that fixture there and the weekend's fixtures, let's roll back a little bit to the midweek fixtures um, and start with Newcastle versus Norwich. So this was billed as one of those bottom of the table kind of six point attack of matches right because you've got a team in Norwich who have been struggling since the start I don't suppose anybody expects much from them at this point um and then you've got Newcastle who yeah they're kind of you know since Bruce left they've looked like they've kind of pulled their socks up a little bit but they still haven't been getting the results really um, they haven't been even getting wins. So I guess the way that this result turned out, being a one will draw, it didn't really do either of them any favours. So just a bit of a bit of a bad result for both teams, do you think, Ash? Um, Norwich, Norwich still rooted to the bottom of the table and Newcastle one place above them in 19th. Oh no! I thought um, didn't Norwich win like two games in a row? Didn't they move up the table? But they're back on the bottom of the table now. They lost oh, the because week. of what happened today. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think my thoughts, my thoughts on that game were that actually, yeah, you may sit here and be like, oh, that'll be great for um, for um, like. 
Norwich to to have been up or do or, or, or kind of that. But Newcastle Newcastle have got like this new manager kind of vibe. Yeah, they haven't they, they, they had a bit of a thriller um, a couple of weeks ago. Then got beat pretty comprehensively by Arsenal. Um and now they've got like another round of games coming through with the Norwich one. I think They're both gonna take manager, a, though, don't they? Yeah, I know, but I think that um I think the 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 shift around Newcastle, like we spoke about, is definitely more with an intention of developing like a really established um thing. I mean they like Dean Smith has been out of the game less long than Eddie Howe has. I remember Eddie Howe had COVID, so he couldn't actually be on the touchline until this was his first game on the touchline. So I suppose as a first game for your manager as a touchline to not beat Norwich is 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 huge but i don't think it's i don't think it's too bad for them especially considering kind of like the result that happened today so <clears throat> i think i remember they were down they were down to um they were down to 10 men from nine minutes so i feel like newcastle getting a point from that game is actually a decent result whereas i think if it was 11 against 11 then you'd maybe look at it slightly differently Okay, so we'll talk about Newcastle's next game in a bit. Norwich are going away to Spurs. Good luck to them against Tottenham. Obviously, we want to, uh, Norwich to do well in that game. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if they will. I need Son to do well on my fantasy team, so maybe it needs to be like 4-5 to Norwich with Son scoring, scoring two and setting up two goals for Eric Dyer as well. Okay, that's an interesting <clears throat> couple not, of choices there. Not that I'm... Not that I'm hoping for that. <laughs> I wouldn't put any money on that at all anyway. Let's say it that way. Let's call it wishful thinking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, bottom Nor- of the table, Norwich in 20th, Newcastle 19th, Burnley in 18th, all three teams on 10 points. And then you've got a gap of three points to Watford in 17th from 13 points. It is looking like a slog for those guys down there. Um the next game in the midweek fixtures uh, was Leeds versus Crystal Palace. Leeds winning that one 1-0. One did you get a chance to watch that one, Ash? I I did. And I saw the very, very late late penalty from um, Rafinha. That was such a crazy game because <clears throat> it wasn't... I wouldn't say it was the greatest game, but it was crazy in the sense of what happened right at the end. And there's been a real spate of late goals recently. Um, and yeah... Leeds needed that win. Crystal Palace would probably feel aggrieved to have not got a penalty themselves or even got something away from that game. But um, but yeah, hopefully Palace do a little bit better when they return back to the northwest of northwest of England tomorrow. Um, but more more on that later. Yeah, I'm a little sad that um, Vieira hasn't helped uh, Palace to pick up a few more points. I only had a few tough fixtures. Mm. But that was one I was hoping they was going to win, but not to be. And yeah, it was a lovely penalty from Rafinha. I was, I can't be uh, too salty about that goal going in because uh, I've got Rafinha on my fantasy team, haven't mm-hmm. I? Good player. Um, Watford won, Chelsea two. Some type of a London derby. Watford being right on the fringes. I don't know if that really is London, but it kind of is. Mm. Um, Watford's form looks absolutely shocking. Chelsea's form's gotten a bit patchy, but um, Mason Mount got on the score sheet. So did Hakim Zayic. Yeah. Uh, and and Dennis. Uh, did you get a chance to see some of that one? 
I saw the, I saw the, I saw the, I saw the goals. Um, so this, what what Watford's keeping situation is is a real inf- like interest to me. So Ben Foster obviously is getting on. He's not the goalkeeper that he was, but this Boutman guy doesn't seem great because he's really thrown in some 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 goals. I felt like the ZH one could have been stopped. Um, I just feel like he hasn't been as good as he could have been. And I think, personally, I just, yeah, I think they're the, key, they're the key moments that's really kind of, like, affecting Watford at the moment. Like, you've got, like, they, they conceded four against um, against Leicester just beforehand. Like, these are, these are real crucial moments that would help them to kind of propel and move themselves forward. So, I think um, the goalkeeper Boutman needs, needs needs replacing very very quickly, and obviously with them also having a new manager, it'll be very interesting to see what Claudio Ranieri does in the transfer window, and what areas he feels he needs to address in that squad to try to keep them up. Looks like a German name that keeper's got there. Backman kind of looks like on paper. Um, looks like a German name, but he's actually Austrian. Maybe they got mm. ripped off. Maybe they thought they were getting the next Ali Khan, the next newer, and they ended up with uh, an Austrian backman. Not quite the top quality German keeper they want. Uh, obviously, nowhere near the Arsenal German keeper. You know, not everybody can be that good. You know, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Dennis is in good form. Nice little goal for him. Another goal from Mason Mount. Um, he seems to be returning to form. Chelsea grinding out victories without a striker, um, which is quite interesting that they're able to do that. Um, moving on to West Ham versus. Brighton. So, two of these teams have actually been in decent form recently, haven't they? Mm, yeah, um, West, West Ham has dropped up ever so slightly, but um, yeah, yeah, they've been they haven't been too bad. They're in they're in the top parts of the table where they're hoping to be towards the end of the season. West Ham's still in the top four. They're they're, they're, mm. they're doing it, man. They're, they're, you know, um, in terms of from an Arsenal perspective, they're the only team separating. Arsenal from a Champions League place right now, so mm. wow. Let, let's see if they well, can. Like Arsenal separating themselves from a Champions League place at the moment, but more on that later. Well, they're, they're, <laughs> yeah, Spurs and Manchester United behind them in the table. Mm. So uh, let's not get too excited. Um, Wolves had a goalless draw with uh, Burnley. I've literally got nothing to say about that match. Have you got any comment to add there, Rash? No, just I think I spoke about him before. Like Matt Skillman has been doing really well, so that's another clean sheet for the guys. Um, I know that he he's been playing particularly well for them. So um, yeah, other than that, not really. To be fair, though, no, sorry, actually there is one. So um, Burnley normally developed a lot of their strength in the league on clean sheets. The likes of Tarkovsky, Ben Mee, um, Nick Pope's always been like lauded as being like this goalkeeper that can get like lots of clean sheets and stuff like that. I think they need to get that that balance of their team right to be able to actually get themselves out of the trouble that they're currently in at the moment. Because it seems that defensively they're just not quite at it as you would expect a Sean Dash Dash team to be. It looked like Dash was trying to get the most out of Cornet's goal scoring form, playing him up front now in a four four two. So mm. um we'll see if that continues. I I'm I'm actually a little bit sad that uh Wolves haven't scored a bit more because I did put both Huang and Jimenez in my dream team and I think I'm going to have to take them out because last three matches they've done absolutely nothing. Mm. 
Um, so that was a goalless draw. But a game that wasn't a goalless draw was Southampton versus Leicester. That was a 2-2 score draw. Um, loads of goals in that match. Uh, what do you make of that one, Ash? <laughs> They're good value, you know. Um, I like I like Hassan Hutal. I like a lot of what um, what Rogers does. There's a big kind of interest in Rogers at the moment in terms of like some of the managerial vacancies that are on the continent and and here as well. Um, and like Ralph Hassan Hutal has just done such a good job with Southampton. Um, yeah, they get their annual nine nil, but it seems that he's he's found a way to balance that out and and be able to move it forward. So. Um, yeah, I think I think it was a good it was a good open game. It was a lot it was lots of fun. Remember a couple a couple of years ago that was the that was the infamous nine nil when um I think Vardy scored a hat trick and mm. um yeah that was that was that was it. So I suppose any result that they <laughs> get that. yeah any result that 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 um Southampton gets to let with Leicester be it positive has some way of chipping away at that at that memory. So um, yeah, it's, good. <laughs> it's a good it's a good it's a good um, good, good score. I don't, I don't think I've seen a score that high in the Premier League. That that game was shocking. But um, yeah, let's just call that a, a freakish one-off. Yeah. Um, Madison, shout out to Madison. He's back, scoring goals again. Um, I'm a little worried for Vardy. You know, we used to seeing Vardy probably having about 15 goals by now, um, and it's not really that. So. Yeah, it's definitely looking like he's in the autumn of his career and things aren't really going as they used to for the Leicester hitman. Swiftly moving on, we've got Aston Villa 1, Manchester City 2. Manchester City just... I don't. I don't think that there's a lot that's going to actually slow him down. Really, I always expect to see a Manchester City win, I regardless mean, of who they play, or at least, a, at least like a really good performance. And if they get a draw, then it was like they were unlucky. I think the the point I'd make about Manchester City is they will be their own worst enemy because they've got so much talent. Um, they scored two amazing goals from. Uh, Ruben Diaz and um, Bernardo Silva, who probably, if you look at like the running for the player of the first, for the start of the season, you probably put Bernardo Silva as City's main, yeah, City's kind of best best individual performer this season so far. I think he's been absolutely exceptional. Um, I think he's in the running with the likes of obviously Salah, Trent Alexander Arnold, um, who else? Vardy's decent start to the season. There's a few other players, but yeah, I just think um, another clean sheet. It just really keeps the pressure on all the people that, um, yeah, that 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 are looking at them. So, Man City just look, they just look so good. And remember, they've got a lot of injuries at the moment as well, which kind of lets you know that when they're at full strength and everyone's like really going for it, they've probably got another two or three le- levels just to go up to, which is phenomenally scary. Mm, wasn't a clean sheet in that game, by the way. Oli Watkins did get himself on the score sheet. Um, yeah, Bernardo Silva most definitely looking like one of the informed players in the Premier League right now. Um, absolutely incredible. I, I think we can all say that he's raised his game. That's what he's done. He's improved on last season's form. Mm-hmm. And he's, 
he's added like a bit more sort of defensive grit into his game and he's just looking like like you say one of the best players right now up there with your Mo Sellers and, and your Trent Axon and the Arnolds um, shout out to Pep Sterling's back in the team starts now mm. which is uh, something I didn't see coming I thought maybe he was getting phased out for Grealish but um, Grealish hasn't actually been in the best form so th- there you go there you mm. go so back um, so Man City currently top of the Premier League table only one point above Liverpool in second 35 and 34 points respectively unlucky for Aston Villa and their new manager Steven Gerrard I'm sure there'll be a lot more points coming because uh, he seems like a really good manager doesn't he now that we've had a chance to see him in the Premier League seems like yeah. he's going to be alright on to the derby this was probably the biggest game of the midweek fixture list. Everton versus Liverpool, the Merseyside derby, classic table football, red versus blue kind of affair. How did it turn out? Everton won, Liverpool four. Not exactly the kind of result I was looking for. Did you okay. predict something What did like you want? No. I, I wanted what? a, uh, you know, like a hot contest, tackles flying in, red cards, you know, maybe... Liverpool's one new up for the whole game. Everton just fight their way back into it, get a last minute win, last minute uh, equaliser, one one. Okay. Yeah, the problem with <clears throat> the problem with what you've done is you haven't you haven't um factored in Everton's defending, which has been absolutely shocking recently. <laughs> like it's so bad, um, and just as a result, it's just it's led to. It's just it's just led to it's just led to slappings on slappings. Um, do you think their form has been so bad that it was impossible for them to get themselves up for a local derby? Oh, it's never impossible. I just think that sometimes you just have to respect the, the team and what they're doing. And Liverpool seem to have this relentless, especially under Jurgen Klopp, this relentless um, energy or relentless vibe or, or relentless way of kind of getting like, positive outcomes because I remember there's been other times where he was like, ah, oh, they're definitely not going to get it. Ah, oh, yeah, cool, so draw. And then all of a sudden, I remember when once I think Mane scored, scored really late on against away to Aston Villa, where you just didn't see it happening and it comes from nowhere. So credit to the team for just always being able to create something. But yeah, that that Everton, Everton, Everton was always going to be that really easy game, that really really easy game. Mm. And um, yeah, I think I think Everton were lucky to get four. They were lucky it was only 4-1. Could have been stage, more. Yeah. They were on the stage where they were absolutely getting battered and they were on the rope. So. Yeah, Liverpool did it again, as we'll talk about shortly, when, when you're kind of saying how they got a last-minute goal. They did that again uh, this weekend, but we'll get to that. Um, their form table is looking immaculate, just like City's. It's just W after W after W. Everton, in, in stark contrast, is L after L after L. So it was a predictable outcome. Um, Diogo Jota looking like a man in incredible form right now. Would you? Could we say he's a better player than Firmino? You still with us, Ash? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Is that, is, that, is, that kind of, is that the kind of question you got to ponder? Because the players are of such high quality, it's difficult to kind of make the twist. Nah, you know what? I dropped. Um, my connection dropped slightly. Um. One second, hold on, I'm back. Yeah. Um, say that again, sorry. Jota versus Firmino. Who's the better player? 
oh, the better footballer is Roberto Firmino. The the more potent attacker is Diego Jota. So I think, to be honest with, and I actually had a discussion with, with my boy this morning about this. Firmino is a very, very good player. Like, <clears throat> class. Yeah, some of the stuff I've seen him do, like every single season, I feel like he has a, a he has a contender for like assist of the year. Whether it's a reverse flick, whether it's like a no look pass, like he is genuinely someone who really, really, really does. Um, can light up moments of a game, right? But the, his biggest issue is that as a number nine, he doesn't score enough goals. So with Diego Jota, he's definitely not as refined a player as him, but he brings he brings a very, very, very strong goal outlet. And as a result, that goal outlet has been crucial, um, especially this season, in actually getting Liverpool going in certain games and or or absolutely like ramsanking, um just ransacking some of the other teams. So I think I think now a lot of people would be like, oh yeah, Jota's the Jota's a better player. I still wouldn't agree with that because I still think Firmino is a is a better all round footballer. But Jota definitely has um he definitely has grown into the role and I think he's also just given um Liverpool a real cutting edge um up front alongside Mane and Salah. Definitely has the goal, I just want to highlight the goal he scored in that game, though. Ah, stunning. I mean, it, it was, was like the ball got fizzed into him and he rolled up the defender something, took him completely out of the game mm. and buried it, keep it in another shot. I just said, oh, my, like that was the kind of goal where there was nothing you could do about it. Just a, a man in top form being absolutely unplayable. Yeah, no, it was. It was, and, it was um, great. And Mo Salah adding a, a couple, a couple more. Again, he might just be player of the season. We might be seeing player of the season in action right there. Um, yeah, I think, like I said, I think Bernardo's Bernardo's definitely got a shout off of what he's been doing recently. Um, but when you just look at Mo's numbers, it's scary. Like he's just, he's just always doing something. In every single game, he's got like some kind of like output or, or outtake. So, so yeah. Numbers don't lie. Tottenham to Brentford zero. Uh, your favourite team, Tottenham Hotspur, are doing quite well at the moment, Ash. <laughs> Dano. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if they're doing well. They've they've picked up considering the start that they had. Um, Two 0 against Brentford. Um, routine win. Um, yeah, not much to say about Tottenham at the moment. They just they seem that I think I think we're gonna we're gonna talk more about them towards the end of it towards the end of the season once Conte's really established himself as a manager there. Um, but now they they're just slowly but surely picking up. Have we started to see Conte's imprint impact? Have we started to see his style be imprinted onto this team yet? Uh, too early to say that. I think obviously they're playing a new they're playing a new formation. I think. The one player who it seems to be benefiting the most at the moment is um, Regalon. So Regalon is the guy who came from Spain. Um, he was a left back. Did 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 pretty well last season. But now in this um, wing back role, we've seen we've seen Conte turn Victor Moses into a very potent outlet for Chelsea in a title winning season. Um, so 
I'm really um, the the two players I'm looking at is Emerson Royal and Regalon to see what they do as as um, wing backs. And so far we've seen some really good stuff from both of them. So yeah, it's looking looking good for the fullbacks. So far so good. Shout out to the BRB timeline. One of our uh, followers called him Regular Don, and I absolutely. Mm. Love that bounce there because, you know, he feels like he's got a bit of Spanish flair and he's a regular but really the way he plays is just a regular Don. Mm, yeah. I'm too excited, mate. <laughs> um, so, good win for Spurs. Good win for Manchester United against Arsenal. I'm sure Michael Carrick will be absolutely in love with the fact that he managed to pull that one off. Man United 3, Arsenal 2. This is a game that I thought Arsenal had a chance of winning. I really didn't mm. think that the form Arsenal's been in, you know, I know we haven't played all of the best teams and when we did play Liverpool, we got spanked. But I did think we could have a go at Man United because Man United, they've changed manager. They're not in the great form that they could be in. And their defence is terrible. You can definitely get at Manchester United. I thought we had a chance. We did score two goals, but at the end of the day, if you can see three goals, you, you're probably going to lose the game. Mm. Yeah, big facts. Big facts. I think for me, very quickly, because I, I, I don't want to label it that, I just think when you go one up, in, and it was, it was obviously it was seen as a controversial goal because of what happened. I don't think it was controversial. I think um, the gay tried it and it didn't work. So t- tough on him. But I think when, once you go one up, we've seen that certain teams, whenever they've gone for United's next, they can be rattled very quickly. We let them off the hook. And I don't even really put this on the, the manager. I put it on the players. Like To me, a player, you should be able to sense when a team isn't quite where they need to be. And as a result, like you've gone one nil up. Don't 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 retreat. Don't just think you and now um, defend that lead for the rest of this for the rest of the game. Go and get a second goal. Go and really stamp your authority. And I think our team is very very immature in that sense. Like their game management isn't isn't where it needs to be. So as a result, they're doing stuff which is very much um, very green and very naive. When actually that game was there for the taking for Arsenal, um, and they actually just gave it back to United. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. Um, I thought Gabriel didn't do too badly in that game and uh, I know Arsenal have made a number of defensive reinforcements you know we have been waxing lyrical about Tavash, Tomiyasu, White and Ramsdale at times this season but at the end of the day we conceded three goals Um, the clean sheets have dried up is the defending good enough right now? are we doing well enough? possibly with Jacka being out of the team and with the likes of El Nene coming in, maybe that gives you a little bit less protection in front of your defence. And against a, a team with Manchester United's quality, with the likes of Bruno Fernandes, uh, you know, you know how many incredible attackers they've got that can hurt you. Maybe that could be the reason. I'm I'm trying to look for something because we have been quite solid recently and there aren't too many moments where I recall watching the game and thinking that is absolutely shocking defending. But conceding three goals, it's just, you, you can't do that. Like, I, I want to go back to winning goals games 1-0. I want to sing that 1-0 Arsenal song. I did sing it, but unfortunately, we didn't manage to sustain the 1-0 gap for 90 minutes. What a shame. Well, you know, congratulations to Man United. 
And that concludes our midweek fixtures. Loads of games got played out. Uh, before we wrap that up, though, we can uh, talk about Michael Carrick, can't we? Because Michael Carrick came in, did a pretty good job for Man United after Oli got sacked. But then he decided to step down um, just before the new manager came in. I saw his um, post-match press conference after the Arsenal match. And um, and he seemed very adamant that, you know, he felt like this was the best decision for the club. It was the best decision for the new manager and it was the best decision for him. He just thought it was the best thing all around. I'm not so sure about that. You know, I think maybe with the new manager coming in, he could have used someone of Michael Carrick's expertise, you know, to kind of help him transition into the into his new period at the club. And I think maybe. I think maybe there's a bit of selfishness from Carrick there. Maybe he kind of wanted to distance himself from being a number two at Manchester United after he's had a chance to be the main man. And mm. maybe this this kind of thing sets him up for football management at another club somewhere. Yeah, I think maybe. I think um, I'm not surprised he's gone. I felt like sometimes when like when you're so attached to a certain manager or a certain thing, it makes sense for you to go. And I feel like if you just kind of pick another job or go into that or uh, another another board another board or a more admin based role, I don't really think it's sometimes fair on the new manager. So they've kind of made a, a clear choice about what they want to do with the manager. And as a result, um, I know they kept him on in, like inter intermittently, but yeah, I think. Everyone's just got to do what's going to make them happy. And it seems like that's what character is going to make him happy. So all the best to him. All the best to him indeed. Um, more fixtures. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like we do two weeks in one. Um, but we've only got a few more to go from this weekend, to be fair, because we don't have, we're not going to be uh, covering the games on Sunday. Mm. So the first weekend's fixture was West Ham versus Chelsea again with this being a London derby or a derby I wanted to see fireworks kind of like what I wanted to see from the Merseyside derby I think I did get some of that in this game I watched some of this myself today and I thought West Ham were absolutely first class Jared Bowen was putting in the shift of all shifts he was on crud he was on crud today he gave Chelsea the most amount of problems. I, I saw times when guys were just kind of looking up into the air like, Jesus Christ, this guy. <laughs> like he was running them ragged. Absolute nightmare to play against today. Mm. Um, and I, I think I think West Ham were kind of worth the win. You know, I don't think Chelsea got robbed, even though there was a bit of a fluky goal to get the win from Masuaku. I think that, you know, I think, yeah, go on. I think West Ham deserve their win. Yeah, it happens, man. I think, like we said, they've had a couple of results that maybe they wouldn't um, wouldn't say that they were happy with. Um, so as a result, they needed to they, they need to bounce back. I think they're very good at home to, to um, the bigger teams. They've beaten both Liverpool and, Man- um, and um, Chelsea 3-2 there. Um, and obviously I know the Man City game was different they lost 2-1 it was away but it was pretty much a very comprehensive 2 that 2-1 but um, yeah I think I just think I just think West Ham have got something about them this year Um, and they're doing this without Antonio scoring he hasn't scored in ages so it's really it's really yeah nice so it's really showing that 
that other people are picking up the slack and they're making it more of a team than just kind of oh we have a striker and he scores all of our goals and I've always I've always said that's dangerous if you've got a striker and he scores all of your goals then the moment that he stops scoring you then become in you become at the mercy of, of the gods so no, it's really, really important and really, really positive that they've got so many people scoring good goals for Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was in the week when um, Lanzini scored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this week. Um, it was like a last-minute kind of goal. Yeah, they pulled some back. Some, like they pulled a bit of respect back for the for the scoreline. Um, and then he's done it. He's done it again against Chelsea. Yeah, good money as well. I've always rated him. I always thought he was a quality player. So I, I like seeing him get some minutes. Um, well, the squad at West Ham is it's actually pretty thick now, you know. I suppose them being in two competitions, they had to kind of add reinforcements here and there. And they've just signed players over the years. And then Lanzini specifically was really injury prone. Yeah. So they kind of needed replacements for him, didn't they? But yeah, it looks like he's maybe coming back into fitness, coming back into form. And um, and he'll be dangerous. Him and Ben Rama and Antonio and Bowen, they're going to be a problem. Um, I think they're looking to bring um, they're looking to bring Jesse back as well. Really? Yeah. I think I saw something. Uh, I think I saw a quote in on a Eurosport article, something about Moyes being upset that Lingard isn't getting minutes at Man United. So. Yeah, I mean, if they if they're not going to play him, they might as well send him back to the West Ham. I do wonder what's going on with Lingard though, and if he even has the desire to play. Like, if he's a guy that's just happy, just chilling on the bench. And... No, I think last season proved he wants to play, and he's got a, his contract's coming to an end. So essentially, he's just saying he's he's making sure that he gives himself the most options. And the best options, and I think that's what that's right for any any um, young professional to do. Get into the habit of looking after yourself and putting yourself first mm. to be able to get the best deals possible for for when you do want to move on or if you want to do anything else. Most definitely. Do you not think though, if he was a player that was desperate to play football, do you not think he would have maybe tried to push through a move to West Ham in the summer? When you know he, he could have, he wanted to go. To... He wanted to go, but he got convinced to stay because Solskjaer said, "I'm going to play you. I've got, I've got a plan for you." So he was actually sold a dud story by Solskjaer. How about that? I, I didn't know. Um, I mm. just wanted to quickly roll up some stats um, from the West Ham and Chelsea game. Uh, we've got five shots on target from West Ham, seven shots on target from Chelsea. Obviously, you would expect Chelsea to dominate the game. 63.8 possession compared to 36.2 possession uh, from West Ham. Um, but to be honest with you, I think I think West Ham were... I think they were in this game. They don't, they don't have the same amount of passes. just like half the amount of passes, half the amount of possession. But they played well. 13 tackles compared to uh, Chelsea's six. So that, let you know, that lets you know they were flying in. 27 clearances compared to Chelsea's nine. So Chelsea were definitely getting the ball into the box and West Ham were just, they were just dealing with everything, you know? Um, and this one is kind of interesting. Chelsea had nine corners. So that kind of tells you that West Ham are quite resolute. They defended nine. Can you imagine if Arsenal had to concede nine corners? Mate, we'd probably lose nine nil. I think, um, terribly I, think I think what you're always remembering is West Ham do uh, score a lot of goals from set pieces, so it means they, they they do a lot of work in it, both 
positively and um, and defensively. So I'm not surprised by those stats because West Ham are one of the top the top scoring teams in terms of their set plays last year. Last year, so if you're kind of good at attacking them, obviously you must be pretty mindful of what it takes to to score goals. So as a result, you become very good on the other side of um, other side of it defensively as well. I'm putting you on the spot here. Will West Ham qualify for the Champions League? No. Awesome. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. <laughs> um, moving on, we've got Newcastle one, Burnley nil. Penny for your thoughts, Ash. Yeah, good to good for Newcastle to get their first win of the season. Like they haven't won a game all year. Um, Callum Wilson's now got two into. Um, I think he is so integral to what they're going to do because he's worked with the manager beforehand. He is their like their main their main their main goal scorer, and if he stays fit and he gets into a good rhythm of form and goals, then he really could be the person who shoots Newcastle up that table. Corney playing up front for Burnley again. again he went off injured. No he went off injured today after 31 minutes. It's not good news for fantasy FPL managers. And not good news for Burnley because he's literally been their main attacking threat mm-hmm. in recent times. So uh, the owner's going to have to go back onto Wood. Yeah. Um, St. Maximin's quietened down a little bit. I did think about putting him in my FPL team, but you know, with Wilson kind of getting the ball in the back of the net again, maybe he's the man to go for if you're going to pick anyone from that side. Um, Southampton had a nice little score draw at home to Brighton. If you were having an accumulator, you could have got lucky with putting that as a score draw. Southampton mm. won. Brighton won. Does that does that kind of game just have draw written all over it? No, because I really thought Southampton had done it. Um, Brighton are weird, man. They keep doing these things. They've done the same thing against the West Ham. These, these late equalisers just from nowhere. Um, the thing with Brighton is they don't have many good players, but they've just got a lot of they got a lot of variety in terms of what they can do up front. So you can play Trossard as a force nine. You can play um, a pie up there. You can play Welbeck up there. You can you can you, you can actually play with a three, go to a four. You can play with a flat five in midfield as opposed to a four in midfield. They just got so they got something different for everyone, and I just respect that. Um, yeah, that I, I kind of respect what they do. I do respect what they do. Like they've got, they've got, they've got always got something to kind of come off the bench and, and change a game in some way, shape, or form. I don't rate them as a great football as great footballers, but they seem to be more than some of their parts, which is what you want from a team, right? I says I respect your authority. Hmm. I'm not so sure what's going on with Brighton though. I'm kind of. <laughs> I'm kind of wanting more. I know that they're a small team and maybe you could say they've been overperforming by being so high up in the table early on in the season and, and maybe a slip was inevitable at some point. But I kind of still want more, even though Mopay and Trossard aren't the best attackers in the league. You know, we we, we, we expect in there. Lamptey came back in and, and looked good. Basuma's always a player that, that plays quite well. Um, but... Uh, Let's see. Let's let's see what happens. January's coming. Maybe some of these teams here could sign a couple of players and and that can change things for them. Kickstart their seasons again. Um, One team that doesn't need their season kickstarting is Liverpool with a lovely 1-0 away win to Wolves. Ash was just talking about how they've got this knack of 
grinding out victories and if they need to, you know, someone like Mane will pop up with a late goal in the last minute. And this one was Salah popping up in the last minute with an assist. And um, I haven't forgotten the scores, you know. But the uh, ball Arigi, went in the back of the Arigi, Arigi score. Oh, it was the super sub. The last person that I expected to score. Um, we don't see a whole lot of him, especially now that they're playing Jota as a striker which was pretty much supposed to be Origi's job in the first place anyway. They don't see a need for him, I guess. Like I think they, they don't see a need for him to do anything else but rather than what he is doing, which is coming on late, occupying the right areas, and then trying to, just, just trying to create, not even habit, but just trying to create um, disruptions for other, for other teams and other systems. That's an interesting analysis there. Um, I would have... Th- Maybe just thought he's going to be an impact sub to kind of come on with a bit of pace and energy when the other teams are tired. But um, looking at it from a system perspective is an interesting one too. Um, shout out to James Milner. I do like that they kind of bring on the old experienced head to kind of see out the last few minutes. Uh, him coming on to replace Salah and getting the armband. Just something that me personally, I just like to see that. Um, and Liverpool... Nothing but greens and W's in their form table. One point behind Manchester City in second. Mm. It's looking good for them. It's looking tight. Mm. Watford, they got mm. slapped by Manchester City today. Never looked like they had a chance. Which is a shame because they've pulled off a couple of results recently where you thought, really? You know, like when they beat Man United, you thought, really? And they didn't just beat Man United. They smashed Man United. So I was kind of hopeful that something would happen. They scored, but, you know, they just, they were just outclassed really, weren't they? Yeah, I think Man City do that to the teams, man. They just they just really stick it on you and give you a position where you think to yourself like, ah, I really thought I was a good football team until I played you. Um, yeah, I just think, I just think we've seen, we've spoken about his quality already, but Bernardo Silva scored too. Um Pep's got a few of his players back now. Um, looking at what the squad looks like this week, first what it looked like a couple of games ago, and it's really looking hard to see who's going to stop them because it seems like the other teams seem have um, harder runs for the next few weeks than Liverpool, um, than yeah, than City do. So yeah, Pep's probably trying to do what he done last year, which is create a, an unassailable lead and then just see it out. I don't think anything else needs to be said apart from that. Shout out to Bernardo. Two goals today. Um, it's Bernardo versus Salah right now. Uh, that's one thing I'm going to be looking out for to see who continues the excellent form for the end of the season. Another shout out to Raheem as well, popping up with a goal. Playing on the right, so he's gone from left wing to right wing. Drillis playing through the middle fold. Just the team just rotates and revolves. You never know really what you're going to get from uh, a City lineup. Um, but the one thing you know you're, what you're going to get is is some quality football and more than likely a win for Manchester City. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much the end of the games that we've watched. Uh, so I'm sure our listeners will be watching Leeds versus Brentford, Man United versus Crystal Palace, Spurs versus Norwich, Aston Villa versus Leicester and Everton versus Arsenal. Any of those games that that you kind of pick out as uh, interesting ones, uh, Teresh? Yeah, it will be the Manchester United um, Crystal Palace game because I will be at Old Trafford um, watching the game. So by the time you guys listen to this, 
I would have travelled all the way up to Manchester and returned back. And hopefully I would have seen lots of goals, lots of actions. And soon, if Ronaldo starts, it'll be quite interesting to see um, if he does score, whether he does his main celebration. <laughs> you it will depend on, 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 where, on where the game's at at, the moment, at that moment. Is he, is he the player you're most looking forward to seeing? Because there's going to be a lot of quality on his play. Um, the player I really want to see is actually um, Eze, now that he's back. Um, wow. Of, yeah, I, not, that's not in terms of like who's, who's the best player on the pitch, because obviously you've got some exceptionally talented players. You've got like World, World Cup winning centre-backs and stuff like that, but yeah. it'll just be really good to see a young talent be back on the pitch, starting and actually having an influence on the game. So the player who I would like to see the most is Eze. Because, because of what his, because of his, what his return means to the wider view of football, like he's an exceptional talent, and for him to recover almost um, fully from a really bad injury is is so important. Shout out to Eze, lot of good players at Palace that would be good to watch. Um, yeah, um, hopefully Zaha will be playing and he'll get you on your feet with, with a lovely bit of play as well, mm. and. Um, I do like Marcus Rashford, you know, sir. Marcus might have a thing to say uh, when he goes down to Crystal Palace. We'll see. Um, uh, yeah, from my perspective, I'm going to be looking forward to Arsenal getting three points against Everton. I don't see why we shouldn't be able to to bounce back and to win this game. Everton have been absolute shocking. Like you said, Ash, you've got, always got to take mm. their defence into account. Um, so, yeah. Those are the that will conclude the results in the fixtures. Moving on to one or two football stories that we've got to talk about today. One of them being the Ballon d'Or, the glamorous award that every footballer wishes they could win. Yeah. yeah. At, at the level that you play at, Ash, is this something that you know footballers talk about? Footballers get excited about? The Ballon d'Or. Yeah, it's an individual. It's a, like it marks the best player in the world. So, especially because we've had two truly exceptional players in Ronaldo and Messi over the last few years, it's been really interesting to see like how it's kind of played out. So it's been a competition between the two of them. Um, the issue I have with the Ballon d'Or is that last year they didn't take place, and there was a clear winner for me, which, which was Robin Le- Le- Lewandowski. He's rough. Uh, yeah, and I think he literally was robbed last year. Um, I don't feel the same this year, if I'm honest. Um, but I definitely do think that um, he the the the, the Ballon d'Or a weird thing because some people will say, "But oh, I've won a Ballon d'Or," but then there's still like counter arguments to comp- like, to compare. Were they the best for that for the, for that year? Like how would they have been in another team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, yeah, I like I like the idea of the Ballon d'Or. I just think it needs a bit of work. Well, it does say here in this uh, BBC article that the Ballon d'Or is voted for by 180 journalists from around the world. Hey, maybe we should be able to throw our hats into the ring for that. Loading, uh, football loading. correspondence, you know, and all yes. of that. Yes, uh, uh, should be 182 journalists for next time. Um, and uh, it also does say that in 2020, there was no award because of the coronavirus pandemic. So mm. you, you could say, all right, we'll give you a squeeze for that. But, I mean, everybody saw how many goals Lewandowski scored. He was absolutely incredible and he deserved recognition for that. So it's kind of just not fair that the next year Messi wins it and 
you know, it's not like he hasn't played well. So yeah, yeah, I think I definitely think there could have been a bit more consideration about that. But like you said, I just I don't know, man. I've always just got a real weird suspicion about how it plays out. This Huge shortlist, loads of Premier League players were shortlisted. Foden and Harry Kane, uh, loads of Premier League players like Mares, Mount, Fernandes, Sterling. In the top 10, though, we've got Donnarumma in 10th, Mbappe, then De Bruyne, Salah, Ronaldo in 6th. This is a guy that's usually 1 or 2. And then we've got Kante in 5th, Benzema in 4th, Jorginho in 3rd, the uh, uh, European Championship winner. And then Robert Lewandowski in second uh, to none other than Lionel Messi. I don't think there's anybody in the world you would mind being second to other than him. Gabriel. Wow. I mean, what can we say about Gabriel? Like, what is it with Arsenal players and getting robbed? Like, are these guys walking around with big, flashy diamond-encrusted watches on attracting attention from robbers. Like, we saw Kolasinac and Ozil getting robbed um, not too long ago. And now Gabriel has got robbed. There's a story here from Sky Sports talking about him getting robbed uh, by somebody with a baseball bat. And there's actually video footage here. Mm. Which is... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bit, bit of a shocking story, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot, man. I just think... It's too much, man. Like, it's, it proper threw me off when I kind of went through it. And I was a bit like, hmm, there's a lot happening there. And, yeah, I think, um, yeah, having to just be, uh, you don't want, you don't want the game to get to that. Like, you know, sometimes you just sit back and a story comes and it's just like, how, how did we really get here? And please let it stop. That's just, that's where I'm at with this story. It's just, it's just crazy. It, it is a frightening uh, video. Because um, it kind of looks like he just volunteers his jewelry, mm. um, and then the, the attackers still, still attack him anyway. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's just it's one of those things where like you have to just always factor in like, okay, cool the the ramifications of any injury. Like imagine something happens to him, like it could it could curtail his whole life, his career, and all of that kind of stuff. So super credit to him, but like you always have to be very mindful if you play hero or try to do something heroic. It may fall, it may end up being um, a long term a long term neg- negative for you. For sure. Well, this story was uh, uh, a positive ending, you could say. Uh, justice was served, and the attacker was caught and given a sentence of five years uh, for one count of robbery and one count of possession of an offensive weapon. Mm. Um, but shout out to Gabriel. He's, he's back playing in the team and everything. And it's just yeah. like nothing ever happened, isn't it? Yeah. Um, here's a story that you contributed, Ash. Um, a nice little story here from The Guardian, uh, your favourite publication, about Ellen White, who yeah. becomes a record breaker, a legendary England player. Yeah. So after thrashing Latvia 20 nil. Mm. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> first and foremost, when you're watching, I don't know if if anyone watched that game, but when it was just like one, two, three, four, five, it was just ridiculous. Um, it was eight at half time, and then obviously they scored twelve more in the second half. It just was, it was just crazy. And yeah, congratulations to her. Like she's got, 
she's got the record now to become England's overall top goal scorer. But I don't know, man. Like with stuff like that, whenever you beat a team twenty nil, yeah, and say that like, you score three or four, I always kind of feel like they feel like half goals, not real goals. It doesn't feel like if, if it's a proper competitive game and you score four those goals feel like even more than four goals because it's like, yo, this is a good team. But when a team's crap, it's like, it's like me scoring 15 goals against my son. <laughs> like, am I going to put them on my career stats? <laughs> Never. You see what I'm saying? But the, one, the funniest thing is like, if you ask any of my friends, when it comes to like playing for football or, or whenever I've played in the league, like I, I know my numbers in it. You see what I'm saying? And, Scoring against the teams that are like difficult, I'm just like, yeah, cool. That that goal means that. But when we used to like slap teams up and we used to just play against crap teams, I used to just not even really count my goals like that. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to be cynical, but you know, in the article they're kind of they're talking about goal scoring records with Harry Lineker and Harry Kane and Wayne, sorry, Gary Lineker, Harry Kane and Wayne Rooney, and you know, and it looks like Ellen White has kind of surpassed them all. But it's like when you're playing against teams that you can slap 20 nil, can't really take that record seriously. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I get, I get it, and I, I completely agree. She, she, she can only, she can only score against the teams she plays against. So, <clears throat> I, I get that point. But yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to look at it objectively. It's difficult. Shout out to her. Um, so I just don't really like that comparison uh, in the article there. But most definitely, shout out to Ellen. That is legendary stuff. Especially if there's some quality goals in there, you know, like some volleys, some some overhead kicks, or you know, like chipping the keeper from the from the bo- edge of the box, outside the box, that kind of thing, you know. Um, anyway, shout out. It's a big achievement. Cavallo. So. This is an interesting one because this is the guy. This guy was actually um, celebrated in FIFA after he uh, came out publicly um, with his sexual orientation. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I picked up the little Cavallo commemorative card and I've been using it in FIFA. It's a good card. And this story is saying that um, he's welcome at the Qatar World Cup. Which is interesting because, you know, there's certain cultures where they don't take kindly to homosexuality. Um, Religion in general doesn't take kindly to homosexuality. And Qatar is a Muslim country. It's a religious country. So, uh, you know, interesting talking point thoughts on that one, Ash? Yeah, I think. I think first and foremost, um, <clears throat> no one should be um, stopped or blocked from playing football um, provided that it's not like say a legal matter so for instance you've got like a, a Mendy from a Man City who can't play because he's legally involved in a case right but I think um, yeah it's it's always really difficult when you go to like certain things and certain cultures and that's what they're that's that's what they do and I think a lot of people kind of go and say oh that culture's wrong and they shouldn't do that um, so that's the first thing that I kind of just factor in about that I think um, him coming out as, as openly gay is, is very courageous and I commend him for doing that and I definitely think he should get the opportunity to go to a World Cup and play in that because like we said in it like it's very important that like um, prejudices and any kind of negative opinions are kind of like attacked and and critiqued and 
and and essentially um, rectified as such. So yeah, I think it's um, I think it's um, I think he should never have had to even be in a position where his his um membership in 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 said tournament was was under threat. Um, but I am also glad it has been resolved and he will be welcomed to Qatar. I mean, what the, after reading the article, I, I I share some of his concerns. You know, he says mm. uh, he's quoted as saying he's scared. He's mm. actually scared to go to Qatar. Mm. And when you read the article, it says homosexuality is illegal in Qatar and punishable by penalties ranging from flogging, which I think is like some kind of whipping, like public whipping, maybe. Could be wrong. But penalties ranging from flogging to imprisonment and execution. And then the uh, the tournament organizer Nasser Al Qatar assured gay fans that they can feel safe mm. as long as they act conservatively. So what does that really even mean? Like if a gay couple are walking around in Qatar, and they they you know they they the, the mood takes them, they want to hold hands, they want to kiss. Does that mean that now they can't feel safe because they're not acting conservatively? I think it's always an interesting point because there's in those within within that the area there's even like some r- restrictions for those who are not married or or stuff like that that like they have very kind of like draconian ways of looking at the world and as a result they kind of stick to that so I think um that there is a level of consistency in a sense of like what they expect um, but I just think it's just it's more ramped up for the for, it's more ramped up when it comes to kind of homosexuality you see. Um, I'm a big. I'm um, listen. I believe. Um, I believe. I believe that it should. Be, it should be equal, and I think there shouldn't be any kind of prohibitive factors that stop anyone from wanting to um, experience um, um, something as great as a World Cup. Mm. Yeah, shout out to uh, Cavallo and all of his fans. I hope everyone's going to be good when they go to the World Cup. Um, it's just. I think it's such an important talking point. Um, and um, I'm 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 actually really interested to see how this is going to transpire because obviously it's one thing saying one thing, um, but then something else completely differently could happen, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, because the, it is illegal for them to be in their natural state in that country. So yeah, concerns. Um, what else we got? FIFA analytics. A bit more of a positive story here. Uh, from Eurosport, there's talk that FIFA have got a new player analytics system which will be premiered at the Arab Cup. Now, there isn't a whole lot of information out about this at the moment, but there does appear to be some kind of a, an analytics centre uh, that FIFA have in South Wales and they're currently trialling the system. And it just looks like it's going to be a, a positive implementation of football technology. You know, from time to time, we get movements forward with technology. We had the goal line technology. We've had the VAR, you know, and they kind of come in during specific tournaments. They get tested and then, you know, they iron out little technical difficulties and then they get rolled out across the major leagues and the major tournaments, don't they? Mm. So this could be something that, that we see maybe next season. Potentially, I think it start. It always starts somewhere and then and then develops up. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it very soon. Yeah, I do like a bit of analytics. I think um the world has been going data crazy, especially during lockdown. I remember seeing loads of the um the football pundits 
just rolling off all of these XG, expected this, expected that. There's a new one now, expected threat. What the hell is an expected threat? Ah, oh, no, I don't know. Yeah, that's different. The game, the game shifted, but yeah, you just have to adapt to it. I think, I think, I think stats are good because it helps to quantify stuff. But I think you, I think you can never ever beat the eye test. Um, and that's the, the main thing that I rely on when it comes to judging a player or judging, judging their impact. Agreed. Michael Carrick, we talked about him earlier. So I guess that's it, man. I think that's all of our stories for today. We've done the results. We've done the fixtures. And yeah, we've done the darts. I think um, I should let Ash get some sleep because he's going to be up at the crack of dawn. Yeah, early one tomorrow. To go up the country. Uh, safe travels. Uh, you got any, any other comment you want to make before you uh, slide up? Um, no, just, just um, I'll be in the I'll be in the away end um, at Crystal Palace versus Man United, and um, yeah, just it's always a pleasure to see live football. I haven't actually been to a live football match since since COVID nineteen, so this is my first game back. Um, I always enjoyed live football and yeah I'm looking forward to tomorrow a lot awesome alright guys well we'll catch you next time when we record in a fortnight and for now stay safe peace peace